Greetings, family. So good to um, just be with you this morning, even though it's disconnected as it's been for a while. We, I just believe we're coming nearer and nearer to the day where we're going to have an opportunity to get back together. Uh, and we're just really looking forward to that day. I know we say it every week, but uh, we desperately miss you. And I just want to encourage you. Uh, there are some ways to remain connected. Uh, during this time, and I, our home group leaders, I want to give them a, a, a props and some recognition this morning because they have done a great job of trying to stay connected via Zoom meetings and things like that. And so um, make sure that you're, you're connecting. And I really want to encourage you to reach out to some brothers and sisters during this time uh, as you're praying and God puts somebody on your heart. Uh, you know, we have folks in our converse, congregation who have probably uh, by themselves and been in by themselves for a while now, and we know isolation can be hard on you emotionally. So I just want to encourage you to encourage one another, uh, as it says in Hebrews, because the day is approaching. Amen? The day is approaching. So this morning, uh, I have, the Lord put a word on my heart, and it's kind of going off from, leaving off from where we were last week. Uh, when Pastor John just gave a great message on fear not. And so what do you do next after you've, got figure, after you've understood what it means to fear not is you grab hold of faith. So uh, before we go there this morning, uh, I know some of you this has just been a crazy year, and I wanted to share a couple of my favorite memes that I've seen for 2020, all right? And, and I'll let you join in with me for a moment here. So the most worthless purchase in 2019. Wait for it. A 2020 planner. <laughs> Just pause for effect. Uh, in March, someone wrote, I've almost completed my 90-day trial of 2020. How can I cancel? Uh, you probably feel like that this way, right? This morning, and, and this has just been something we never anticipated, unprecedented times we are definitely living in, living in. and uh, if we had a way to roll back the clock or change the outcome, we would. But, you know, life throws things at us, and we don't know what to expect, and I was having a conversation with my amazing daughter last night, and she, she just looked like she was kind of in a, in a funk, How's that for a moment? And uh, as she was in that funk, I just asked her, I said, how, how are you doing? What, what's going on with you right now? And, and she had to think about it for a moment. And I thought her response was very insightful. She said this. She said, I, I just feel like I'm on a roller coaster. Can you relate to that this morning? Can you feel like, has your life over the last six, eight weeks felt like a roller coaster, some ups, some downs, right? There's moments when you have hope. There's moments when uh, you just don't know what's coming next around that next corner and um, what to anticipate. You know, is it going to be G's sideways or G's downward? <laughs> you don't know. Um, but then we, then we started to think about my daughter's experience with roller coasters as we went to different parks and amusement parks and theme parks and um, she was working up her courage to get on these roller coasters. And don't worry, I know some of you who know how this works know that I have to ask permission or I have to pay a fee to my kids for these stories, but she was gracious enough for a free one this morning. But, um, and she would stand in line, and as she was uh, anticipating getting on that roller coaster, at times there would be tears, there would be just 
just this near, nervous anxiety and fear because she did not know what to expect and it just looked intimidating. And so I asked her the honest question. I said, was it ever as bad as you thought it would be? And she said, no, it really wasn't. And there was ones that were uncomfortable, but most of them were actually fun. And she literally went back to them several times after she got over that initial fear. Maybe some of you can relate. Maybe some of you can relate to the fact that this life we're in right now, these circumstances we find ourselves in, feel like a roller coaster. You know that anticipation when you are just going up and there, you know there's going to be a down on the other side. And it's how bad is that down going to be before we go up again? And so there's that anticipation. There's those, there's those moments of hopes, hope, moments of despair that we deal with. And even at work, I was talking to my team and I said, you know, we have to face the reality that you've been, sometimes we just push through and we just cope and we kind of go through things. And then all of a sudden we begin to experience the effects emotionally of what we're, what we're going through. And it begins to bubble up, you know, and sometimes you don't realize how impactful it has been on you until those emotions and things come. And so the, there's that roller coaster experience. So I believe God wants us to find um, the secret this morning of resting in faith. And that's the title of my message this morning. And, and it's coming from a passage out of Psalm 37, a passage that I've preached on before, but it's a passage that I keep coming back to. And you'll see why, because in this Psalm, David gives some clear instruction on how to reach a place of rest in faith. And I believe God wants us to have that. He desires for us to enter into the rest that he has prepared for us. And, and there's some keys in this passage, if you'll join me there now. Um, psalm 37, 1 and 2, we'll start there. And it says, A psalm of David, Do not fret because of evildoers, be not envious towards wrongdoers. And verse 2 goes on to say, For they will wither quickly like the grass and fade like the green herb. And I just want to say this. I felt a shift this week in the last couple weeks because as I was mentioning the roller coaster, we've been going through a roller coaster of emotions as a society and as a world. And there was fear, there was despair, but then... This last couple of weeks, I felt anger, some frustrations, because you've been cooped up, your circumstances, all your plans for this year have been thrown into upheaval. And we don't know when it's going to end. We don't know when it's going to change. We don't know, we don't see the light at the end of the tunnel yet. And so some people feeling that frustration, feeling Restricted, maybe because they're feeling their freedoms in, encroached upon in some way. Feeling that frustration, that anger, or that worry, whatever it may be, all of these words pertain to this word fret. And it says in the Hebrew, it is chara, and it means to be hot, furious, burn, become angry, get incensed, be kindled, to heat oneself in vexation. Anyone been there? In other words, to get fired up. Have we, we've all experienced our moments of being fired up. Maybe you've had some moments in your home with the people you love being so close every moment of every day. 
Maybe, or maybe, yeah. Um, we get fired up. See, we, there's a brewing frustration in our world as people are living under restricted freedoms and your plans have been disrupted, everything like that. You're out of control. You don't have control. So sometimes there's a, there's a temptation to just fret about it. And David says here, don't fret. So number one this morning, if you want to rest in faith, I believe it starts with don't fret. Fight the fret, if you will. Why do we fret? Sometimes it's a matter of perspective. You see, David in this situation is saying, we're looking upon the wicked and they're prospering. Wrongdoers are doing well. And it looks upside down. Sometimes there's a temptation to feel like, you know, does it pay to live righteously? Because it looks like they're getting better off. So there's a temptation to fret over this injustice, this lack of fairness. Anyone live by fairness doctrine, right? It's got to be fair. You got kids, you know, in your household, if you give one kid something, the other kid's got to have something. There's this fairness doctrine that exists in the parenting realm. And man, it's frustrating. That causes some fret. But things don't look fair. Things don't look just. And sometimes you want to fret. Now, sometimes... Our perspective, when we're just relying on our natural perspective, our, what we see with our eyes naturally, then that is an understandable conclusion. But God has given us the eyes of faith to see things from an eternal perspective, to see things beyond what we see right now, and to understand from an eternal perspective that God's justice will come about eventually. That God will deal with the wicked. God will deal right, rightly with the righteous. He will reward the righteous. There is an eternal reward. And so when we look at things in this perspective of eternity, there is justice. There is a reason to hold on and to continue to live righteously, even though it comes with persecution, even though it comes with adversity at times, even though it seems like those who are making the wrong choices might have a better outcome. That's all temporal. Eternally, God has a reward for us who are the righteous. Amen. Fretting really comes about from the friction of our circumstances or people rubbing us the wrong way. You ever had that? That friction creates heat. It creates annoyance, and it leads us to losing what I, our late prophet Chuck Flint used to say, our spiritual equi uh, equilibrium. Our spiritual equilibrium, staying in that place of peace and just and, and being able to stay there, we lose it because we get focused on the friction in our circumstances. And I believe God wants us to keep that equilibrium, keep that peace, keep that place of resting in faith, even in the midst of turbulent times. Look at with me at First Peter chapter one. In fact, in three places in First Peter, Peter mentions. A word sober and I think this has relevance for us today you say well pastor I'm not drunk I'm sober well this is a different kind of sober so hang with me I hope you're sober both ways all right praise God um, except drunk in the Holy Ghost you can have that all right first Peter 1 13 therefore prepare your minds for action keep sober in spirit Fix your hope, there it is, 
the eternal perspective, completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Then he goes on in chapter 4 and he says this, he says, the end of all things is near. Do you believe that this morning? Here's what I know. It's nearer than it was yesterday. Fair enough? And it feels nearer than it has been. <laughs> okay? When we look at the events, we look at everything that's going on around us. Jesus warned us of these things. He said they're coming. These are birth pangs that we're living through for the end times. There's a, we're getting ready for the end times. And we're living in them. But the end is all, of all things is near. near. So therefore... Be of sound judgment and sober spirit. Listen to this. For the purpose of prayer. Do you know fretting will keep you out of your prayer closet? You can't accomplish any good with fretting. You need to take that thing to the Lord and begin to get an eternal perspective and begin to lay it out before him and get the mind of Christ, get God's perspective and enter into his intercession over our circumstances. And so we need to keep a sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. And then verse, chapter 5, verse 8 going on, in the New King James, it reads, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. All right, I've got news for you this morning. The devil is not on quarantine yet. It's coming. He'll be on lockdown for a thousand years. Praise God. All right. But his essential business is to try to intimidate you. His essential business is to roar and to try to devour. And so you need to be vigilant. Now, this picture of vigilant means I've got to stay on my guard. It would be the picture of if you thought somebody might be breaking into the home where your, your home, where your kids and your wife and your family are, gentlemen, you would be vigilant. You would look to make sure every door was locked. There was no access point for the devil to get into your circumstances. And when we fret, it's an open door. It's an open door. Because the Bible says that the, the anger of man cannot achieve the righteousness of God. There's a righteous anger. Trust me. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, it says, Be angry and don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Now, there, there is a, an anger against the devil and what he's doing to destroy lives. And you need to use that anger as a fuel to pray and to intercede and to fight the battle of, of faith. So this word sober, it's to be calm and collected in spirit. Just take a deep breath of me this morning. Deep breath. In through the nose, out through the mouth, right? Uh, to be temperate, dispassionate, circumspect. Are you there this morning? I hope so. Fretting gets you off your game. You know, um, hear me right this morning. Us Seahawks fans, we used to be. Huge fans of Richard Sherman. Because when in, he was on our team, he was getting into the opponent's receivers' heads all game. I mean, 
getting them off their game. He would get them frustrated with his talk. Now, we have, now we're on the other side of the ball, and he frustrates us. Well, the devil's trying to get in your game. He's trying to stop you from achieving the plan and purpose of God in your life. And so instead, fretting gets you off your game. Instead of having our hope fixed on Christ, our attention is fixed on circumstances. Instead of turning to prayer, we rant and we rave. Instead of focusing our anger on the devil, we end up focusing our anger on people and circumstances. Look, I'd like to understand where this virus came from. I'd like to understand if there's people responsible. At the end of the day, God will deal with that. God will deal with it. He will vindicate us. God will fight our battles. I'm trusting him to make things right. I'm believing God and praying for his will, for his kingdom to come on earth. We need those prayers so that we can see justice and righteousness in our world. If the evildoers and wrongdoers have your attention, then God doesn't. The wicked wither and fade. Their triumphing is short, but their weeping and wailing will last for eternity. Look, we take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. But we do take pleasure in God's justice being rendered on earth. We need to see their end. In Psalm 73, Asaph had this struggle. You know, he was tempted to become envious of the arrogant and the wicked. And the, he saw the prosperity of the wicked, just like this situation David's describing here. And he said, there's no pains in their death. Their bodies were fat, seemingly trouble-free, etc. And he began to question if he had kept his heart pure and vain. The devil wants you to feel that way. Serving God really worth it, right? Are you missing out on something? Right? It's the same temptation he gave Adam and Eve in the garden, right? So here we are, and, and Asaph's in this predicament and this struggle and trying to work his way through it. And then it says, until he came into the sanctuary of the Lord and he perceived their end. So you need to see the beginning from the end. God sees the beginning from the end and he will give us that perspective through his word if we will just lean into him and get the eternal perspective. That God places them in slippery places and makes their destruction swift. So first, don't fret. Going on in Psalm 37, verse 3. In the first part it says, Trust the Lord and do good. I love this passage because it's simple. This whole passage here in Psalm 37 is so simple. But these are, follow the steps, rinse, wash, repeat. Wash, rinse, repeat. Wash, rinse, repeat. Just, just live this way in your life if you want to stay in a place of rest and faith. Trust is perhaps the rarest commodity in our world right now. Can we trust the media? Seems like no matter who they are, they have an agenda. It's hard to discern what's true and what's not. Can we trust our politicians and leaders? Some, maybe. But even they can't figure this thing out. Can we trust the experts? Well, the experts keep changing their opinions every week. 
God, we pray for those people, for God to speak to them and use them and give them wisdom. We need to pray for all of them. But at the end of the day, our trust needs to be in the right place. Jeremiah 17, verse 5 says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. Paul said in Philippians 3, we put no confidence in the flesh. But subtly, sometimes we do. We put our trust in man to fix these problems that only God can fix. He says, trust in the Lord and do good. Let me just, not leaning on our own understanding. There was a politician who recently made a very bold statement. I won't name him, but you need to pray for him. He was being asked about the plateau of the virus cases in his state. And he said, God didn't do that. We did it. I hope that sends you to your knees. I hope you'll pray for him. That God reveal himself to him. That he would learn to trust in God. And not in flesh. But we don't lean on our own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Now you've heard that scripture in Sunday school maybe. You've heard that scripture your whole life. But I want to tell you this morning that never gets old and we have to make that decision many times every day. Don't lean on my own understanding. And he says do good. Charles Spurgeon says this, true faith is actively obedient. Doing good is a fine remedy for fretting. There is a joy in holy activity, come on, which drives away the rust of discontent. Faith and action are inseparable. We can't have one without the other. Faith is not a feeling or just an espousing in what you believe. It is actually living out what you believe. Faith without works is dead, it says in James. There is evidence of our trust in God in the way we live our lives. We may not be saved by our good works, but we are certainly saved unto good works. And I can tell you, if you're getting frustrated, you're beginning to fret, you're beginning to get restless, begin to do something. Begin to do what you know to do. Do what God has shown you to do in His Word. Get busy doing God's good business in your life. Call someone. Pray with somebody. FaceTime somebody. Encourage them. You aren't on lockdown from impacting people's lives. You can still do that. Pray with somebody. Pray with your wife, with your husband, with your family. You know, if there's, if there's beginning to get strife in your household, it's time to pray. Don't let that thing loose. Don't let, the, don't let that, that thing just fester and get worse in your household. Begin to pray. So number two, we trust and do good. Number three, looking at the rest of verse three, it says, dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Abide in his promises is number three. 
abide in his promises. God desires for every one of us as believers to take up residency in the promised land. And that is the land of his faithfulness, the land of his provision, of his kingdom. And this is not just some um, make-believe land. This is a place that God's prepared for us. By faith, we enter into it. And, and, and when God was speaking to the children of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 30, 15 through 16, he describes the physical land of Canaan, the land of their promise. And he says, see, I have set before you today life and prosperity and death and adversity. And then I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments that you may live and multiply and that the Lord your God may bless you in the land where you are entering to possess it. See, God wants you to possess all of his promises that it says in 2 Corinthians are yes and amen in him. Amen? It was not meant to be a temporary residence for the children of Israel. Sometimes we visit the land of promise. Maybe you do a day trip. But God wants you to set residence there. That's his word, dwell. Set residence, to abide, to reside in that place. Make that your new address where you stay in that place of feeding on his promises. Feeding on his faithfulness. 2 Peter 1.4 says this, For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. So listen, this is the good part. So that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped corruption that is in the world by lust. We are partakers. God has set a table before us in the presence of our enemies, and he's put us, and he's anointed our heads with oils. He's given us everything pertaining to um, godliness and righteousness. Life and godliness, it says in the rest of that verse. He has given us everything we need. Amen? Matthew 4, 4. Jesus answering the devil in the time of temptation in the, in the wilderness. He says, man, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I want you to think about that. The source of life, his word. His promises. Dwelling in that place. Letting, feeding on them. This word feed or cultivate in the Hebrew is ra'ah. To pasture, tend, graze, feed. It is to promote or improve growth of a plant or crop by labor and and attention. Notice there's there's intentionality. There's focus. there's There's a labor in this. A work of faith on our part to cooperate with what God wants to do. You see, we feed on his word, which is the incorruptible seed. And in that, God begins to water by his spirit in our life and that brings forth in us the evidence of his goodness amen i hope you're still with me all right now it goes on the great shepherd speaking of his plan for his sheep says in ezekiel 34 13 through 15 i will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and bring them to their own land and i will feed them on the mountains of israel By the streams and in all the inhabited places of the land, I will feed them in a good pasture. And their grazing ground will be on the mountain heights of Israel. There they will lie down 
on good grazing ground and feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock and I will lead them to rest, declares the Lord God. Get that? He will lead us to rest. The Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want. You should just read Psalm 23. Begin to meditate on that. and Look at God's goodness, his provision, his protection, his, his guidance that he gives us. He is the good shepherd, and he leads us, and he feeds us. Amen? All right. So don't fret. Trust in God. Do good. And three, abide in his promises. Next it says in verse four, delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight in God. Simple. I see a lot of Christians who never get to this point. And it is a beautiful point. It is a beautiful place. Because what this word delight is describing is a high degree of pleasure, joy, and rapture that no roller coaster will give you. That no experience in this life will give you. Now, I, I, this week I was showing my son this video of a service from 1996 in which the Holy Spirit was moving and it was a really interesting time in the body of Christ where we would, just during the middle of services, the Holy Spirit would break out and people would begin to laugh. I mean, laugh uncontrollably. Some of you remember these moments. And I experienced that myself and my son's like, wow, that looks awesome. Church looks fun. And I, and I said, yeah, the Holy Spirit's fun. He fills us with joy, with pleasure, with overflowing with uh, his, his goodness. There's a, there's a high degree of, his ple- of pleasure and joy in the Holy Spirit that we can experience. And I want you to see that there is definitely a divine order to David's psalm here. In the instructions he gives us. It's a teaching psalm. Trust and obedience and abiding in God's word and his promises are the antidotes to fret and worry. And delight is the result of trusting in him. You see, we sometimes get this backwards. We want to feel right before we get right. We want the right feelings, and then we're going to get right. We let feelings take the front row, take the driver's seat instead of faith. And it's really easy. And it's really easy to do in times like these. That doesn't mean feelings have no value. Feelings are like your dashboard in your car when it says check engine. Something's going on. Check that engine. Check what's going on. Why do I feel like what I'm feeling? You know, we need to be honest with our feelings. That's what David was in the Psalms. He's like, I feel like this, God. I mean, I'm looking at the situation. This is what I feel like. But then as he worked his way through it, he'd get to the end and he'd be like, but God, you're victorious. God, you're with me. God, you are my refuge. You are my fortress. I mean, he would get to the end of that by the time he was talking victory. Nobody talks to you more than you. So what's the self-talk? That's where fret comes from. We need to delight. The feelings of delight will follow trust and obedience. Those who have experienced it know this. You get back to doing what God has told you to do and trusting Him and believing Him, and you will see 
and experience the delight that is only found in him. So many abandoned course before they reach that place of delighting in God. I want to encourage you this morning. Experience the fullness of his joy. Psalm 43, 4 says, Then I will go to the altar of God. David says, To God my exceeding joy. The psalmist says, My exceeding joy. And upon the lyre I shall praise you, O God, my God. I want to ask you this morning, where do you find your deepest pleasure and fulfillment? Is knowing Him the highest joy and delight in your life? If it's not, then I'll challenge you. You have a lot of getting to know Him ahead of you. Because when we do know Him, we do know this is true. He is the greatest delight. He is my exceeding joy that I have in the midst of whatever circumstances I'm in. Has God become your end, or is he just a means to an end? Why not use this time of pause on life during this lockdown to delight in him? Rarely do we get an opportunity. I'm going to say it again. Rarely do we get an opportunity to reset our priorities and grow in our relationship with him like we have right now. I want you to look back three months, two months, three months ago in the busyness and the cares of your life. And look at where you're at right now, this opportunity. I hope you won't waste it. You know, there was a stat the other day that the average American is streaming eight hours of Netflix a day. That is not healthy. People of God, I'm calling you. Please don't let that be you. Put this on stream. Feed on this. There's some truth to you are what you eat. Let the word define you. Let that be what's filling your time and your focus and your attention. Don't get me wrong. I get streaming's okay. There's a moderation. But let him be your exceeding joy. Delight in God. Find that place of delight in him. And it says he will give you the, the desires of your heart. Get in, pres- get in his presence and know him in the place of intimate relationship. I'm getting close here. Psalm 1611 says this. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Whew, we say that over and over again, but it is so true. It is so true. When we choose to delight in the Lord and grow in our relationship with him, he gives us his desires. I think I use this phrase couple messages back, but we always have a choice to rejoice. And we can always delight in him. John 15, 7, Jesus saying this to his disciples in that night before his crucifixion. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. You know what happens when you're in the presence of the Lord? When you get, you know, if you've, if you've ever been in a 
serious relationship with somebody and you've fallen in love, you know your desires change. You begin to want what she wants, what he wants. As you spend time with this person, maybe all your buddies who are used to hang out with are like, dude, you're not the same guy anymore. Well, yeah. My desires changed a little bit. The way I spend my time changes. The way I prioritize my life changes because of this person, this amazing person in my life. So it is with the Lord. You begin to get close to him, you get near to him, and you begin to delight in him, and you delight in what he delights in, and all of a sudden you're finding yourself desiring what he desires. Your desires are aligning with his desire, the desires of heaven. And then out of those desires come the effective, fervent prayer of the righteous. Because you see how bad God wants something. Man, there are so many things God wants that are not happening on earth. He just needs somebody who will tap in and delight in him and get into the stream of his desires and begin to pray from those desires and begin to speak forth those things and begin to release those things on earth. He says, if you ask, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. All right, I'm almost done. Number five, Psalm 37, five, we're going to wrap up here in Psalm 37. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. There it is. The Amplified says this, this word commit, it's not what we think it means. In commit your way to the Lord, it says to roll and repose each care of your load on him. That means that all your cares, you're rolling off onto Jesus. Your plans, you're rolling off onto Jesus. See, God wants and has desired for you to live a carefree life. You know, Jesus said in, in Matthew 6, he says, take no thought for your life, what you'll wear, what you'll eat, what you'll drink. Take no thought. Have you ever thought about that? We often tell each other, and I do it too, take care. Jesus say, no. Don't. I care for you. You know, he says earlier in that chapter in Matthew 6, he says, your father knows what you have need of. Oh. My father's got me taken care of. I can live carefree. And if I can live carefree, guess what? I'm free to care about what he cares about. And it, why, why do we worry? It's yet another source of fret because we have not rolled off and reposed each care of our load on him. These are the weights that so easily beset us, as it says in Hebrews 12. We lay those aside. They set you off course. The cares and the worries of this life are the weeds that choke the effectiveness of the word in our life. They come up and they choke it so there's no fruit. 
so that we don't bear what God intends. God intends for us to be those who will bear fruit 30, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. But that has to do with, you know, it's that season. It's time for weeding. It's time to pull up those weeds. Maybe during this season, maybe during this time, it's time to weed the garden of your heart. What's grown in, what cares, what worries have choked God's word. You know the evidence that I've actually rolled off things onto him is that I can rest. That I have peace. That exchange has taken place and the evidence is that I now am living in peace. Psalm or Proverbs 16.3 Commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. If your life's been thrown into turmoil and your plans are up in the air, commit them to him. And you know that starts with when it says commit your works. It's speaking of your daily activity. Daily activity. Maybe, it's, maybe during this time, we need to get back to biblical perspectives on a day. What do I mean by that? He says, don't worry about tomorrow. What... When you hear Jesus say, do not worry, what do you hear? I hear a command. And I also hear possibility that I can live without worrying. I hear a command, but I also, you know, you know his grace is so sufficient that when he gives a command, there's grace to do it. Hmm. He doesn't ask us to do anything that his grace is not sufficient for. That means maybe I haven't tapped into the fullness of his grace to live in a carefree life. Whew. I want it. I hope you want it too. I hope this morning you can roll some things off on the Lord. He says, sufficient for today is its own troubles. Maybe we just need to have a daily focus. In James, he talks about the man who makes all these plans. This, I'm going to go here and there. And he goes, if the Lord wills. I've watched people's posts on Facebook of, of their, um, their boarding passes that they had for their vacation that was supposed to be happening now. <laughs> This was my plans going into 2020. So I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know. I can just live in this day. And guess what? Worry happens because I get ahead of schedule. I start living in tomorrow and I mess up today by doing that. I miss the peace and the carefree living opportunity that I have in this day because I'm trying to live in tomorrow, next week, or the ne- next year. When everything I'm worried about, just like my daughter's experience going into the roller coaster, could not even materialize. Someone once said, fear is an acronym for false evidence appearing real. And so we're worried about things that and I, maybe, maybe it's time that you just start journaling the things you were worried about and then go back. Did those actually happen? 
or did it turn out much better than I thought it would? We, we have an exercise at work when we finish a release, software release. We call it a retrospective. And we go back and go, what went well? What didn't go well? What can we do better? <laughs> Maybe it's time for a little retrospective on some worry lists. Did I accomplish anything or did I miss out on that day's opportunity of carefree peace living? Psalm 55, 22, cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. I mean, never. He won't allow us to be shaken. We might allow ourselves to be shaken, but he won't. There's a condition there. If we cast our burden on him, if we allow him to sustain us, then we won't be shaken. You see that? And then 1 Peter 5, 7 in the Amplified says, Casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all, on him. Whoo! For he cares for you. Oh, I love this. Affectionately, and he cares about you watchfully. There is freedom in living here. His promise. He will do it. He will do it. He says, do this, commit your way to the Lord, and he, trust in the Lord, and he will do it. He has to say, trust in the Lord again. He says it three times in this chapter. Three times. Because it's worth repeating. And apparently we need to hear it multiple times. (laughs) He will do it. Meaning, not me doing it. Not me trying to make it happen. Let him do it. I see if I really trust him, then I trust him to accomplish it. What he'll do what? He says he'll bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. He'll bring it forth. You don't need to make it happen. Sometimes we want to accelerate God's time clock. But he says, then he goes, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Are you willing? Have you really allowed the Lord to take it? And are you willing to wait on his timeline? And the evidence is I have rest. The evidence is I have peace. Avoiding the temptation to take matters into our own hands. Avoid allowing his judgment and vindication in his timing. Oh, you know, and Paul warned the church in Corinth. He said, don't judge things before their time. We got people all over making judgments about this and that, and they don't know up from down. Sometimes you just need to sit back and be quiet and let God be God. And let his judgments come forth. Bring forth righteousness. I'll close with this. Proverbs 4, 18. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full day. Whew! That's an awesome promise. Your path is not getting darker. Your circumstances may be getting darker. But the path 
that God's leading you in, as you cast your cares on him, as you allow him to sustain you, the path he's leading you on is getting brighter and brighter. Whoo! I don't know about you, but that gets me excited. I don't have to live by the same expectations the world does. Even if this entire economy falls flat on its back, I still have a bright day ahead of me because of him. What good does it do me to worry about those things? I've got no control. We need a little bit of that serenity prayer. Help me take care of the things I can take care of. Help me not to worry about the things I have no control over. We need some serenity during these times. God will keep you just as Jesus slept in that boat in the midst of the storm. So can you. You can rest in him. Resting in faith. So this morning as I close, I'll ask you this. Have you been dealing with anger, frustration, worry, anxiety? And I'll ask the question that our song implied this morning. Is it well with your soul? Is it well with your soul? Are you experiencing joy, peace, and righteousness in the Holy Ghost? Do you need to roll off some weights and anxiety that you've been carrying? Have you found true rest in him? We have such an amazing, I go back to the amplified, watchful, affectionately caring Heavenly Father. He sees you this morning. He sees your struggle. He's not mad at you. He invites you to trust in him. He invites you to get back to doing the things you know to do. He invites you to commit yourself to him. To commit your way to him. To roll those things off. He invites you to delight in him. Amen. Just dwell in that place of his promises and feed. God wants to feed your soul. God wants to give you everything you need for life and godliness. His desire that you would experience the fullness of who he is. If that's you this morning, where you're at, I just want to pray with you. And maybe you need to take step one. Find yourself in that place of frustration and anger and bitterness and malice. Saying these aren't the way I thought things would turn out. This isn't the way I was hoping for. And this morning, will you tr trust in God? Will you turn to your heavenly Father and just say, Lord, I bring this to you. Father, we thank you 
your word this morning. Thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness, your mercies. Thank you, Lord, that we can trust in you. That you'll never fail us. That you'll sustain us. That you'll keep us. Lord, your grace is the keeping power. Lord, I just pray for each and every individual this morning who may be experiencing just the weight of all they're going through. The roller coaster of this experience, this time we're in right now. Worry, the fears, the anxiety. Lord, I speak to those and I just speak peace, your peace that passes understanding. And I pray as your word goes forth this morning, Lord, that faith would come by hearing and hearing by the word of God, that their, their faith would be encouraged, their faith would be strengthened this morning, that they could come and just lean into you, Father. They could come and trust you come and surrender it to you. They can roll off those cares they've been carrying, that weight, that tension, that worry, and roll it off to you. So this morning, we cast our cares on you, God. Lord, we want to rest in faith, and we want to wait patiently for what you will desire to do in this hour, in this time. So I just speak your peace into every home, into every household, God, we want, I just pray for a positive expectation in hearts to come, Lord. That our righteousness is coming forth. Your judgment, your vindication is coming forth, God. As the noonday, Lord, we believe it this morning. We receive it by faith. We believe that our path is getting brighter. We believe, God, that that you have good things in store for us, a hope and a future, God. We have a hope. We have an eternal hope in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that every weight is lifting right now in the name of Jesus as we surrender, as we come before you this morning. May your people be encouraged. May they be strengthened. May they be lifted up this morning established in your word. Thank you. We love you. We praise you, Jesus.